Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy for Life podcast where we will be discussing maintainable, sustainable, conscious living. I'm your host, Sarah Grace. Thanks for joining me. What's up everyone? Welcome back to Healthy for Life. I am going to be talking to you all today about Lyme disease and I have a special guest that's going to be joining me shortly to kind of chat this up with and this is something that if you followed me on social media you know that I not too long ago found out that I have Lyme disease and this has been something that I have been really diving into deep and trying to get as much information on as possible and in doing that I found out how many people actually suffer from Lyme disease and how it goes often undetected for a long time but it is responsible for a lot of health issues and so I really wanted to dive kind of deeper into this and discuss uh, what causes Lyme and what you can do to treat it and a lot of kind of that that information so that any of you listening maybe you know somebody who is struggling with Lyme disease or struggling with health issues that nobody can tell them what could be causing it send them this podcast share it with them and hopefully it gives them some hope and gives them some ideas on what they can do to deal with this um, disease So shortly, I'm going to bring in my friend and who's actually been helping me with my own Lyme, Bridget Lazad. She's a PA and she's going to tell you about herself and kind of her background and we're going to get into it. But a while back, I came out on my social media, on my Instagram at Sarah G Fitness and I talked about my own personal experience and how I just kept getting sick for literally over a month. I was sick continually and I could not get better and I did not feel well. And I've known for years that I had chronic fatigue syndrome or Epstein-Barr. I mean, I found this out probably over 10 years ago and I was, you know, I've been working to get better from it and to heal from it, which I've done all kinds of things to strengthen my immune system, but nothing really has fully done it for me. And then this was really a big setback because I was sick for solid over a month and I couldn't understand what was going on and why I wasn't getting better. I I kept saying maybe it's a chronic fatigue and then I happened to go into this clinic that a friend told me about and I went in there and I was talking to Bridget and I was telling her some of how my history, my health history, my issues with digestion, long time major issues with digestion and some of these other things that I was experiencing and she asked me, would you want to get tested for Lyme disease? And I went and got tested and it came back as positive. And then I went on to consult with another doctor that specializes in Lyme and do a a test called DNA connections test. And that tells you specifically what type of Lyme bacteria you have. And mine, thankfully, is not as serious as some Lyme's can be. There's some particularly that cause severe immune suppression mine is more lime like so it actually shares the same spirochete as say um staph and e coli believe it or not it's it's really crazy this whole thing <laughs> but 
Uh, so thankfully for that, mine is not as serious as some of the other types. And I think that's what's helped me to really be able to treat it quickly and effectively. So that just kind of started this journey for me. And I thought, you know what, I've got to get Bridget in here. Let's talk more about Lyme disease. Let's share with other people because I know a lot of people are struggling. So I definitely want to bring her in. Before I do that, please go and rate my podcast here on Apple Podcasts, Healthy for Life. Give it a five star. I have had some haters who have uh, rated it, I don't know, poorly. And so that does drop the ratings on it. And because we talk very openly and we talk about some controversial topics, but nowadays everything is kind of being censored and anything that's health related, uh, there are a lot of people on the lookout to silence the truth when it comes to health. So I've had some haters go on there and rate it poorly. So if you can, please go and rate it five star comment and uh, let me know how this podcast has helped you. But let's go ahead and bring Bridget in and have her share with you. All right, so Bridget is here with me today and she is going to tell you guys some really cool stuff about Lyme disease and we're gonna get into it. So Bridget, thank you so much for joining me and tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, thank you for having me. So I originally started off in a radiology type career and realized very shortly afterwards that I was more people oriented and decided to go back to school um, as a PA. And early on in my career, I was working at an urgent care, met some really cool doctors, one by the name of Dr. Radley Griffin, who asked me about um, starting to practice with him for concierge medicine. And I had no idea what that meant. But what it meant was uh, focusing on quality care, not quantity care which I think was the biggest turning point in my career because it was truly about treating each individual, not just the masses. Nobody's just a number. So you take the time, you give them your time, and you try to get to the root cause and help them as much as possible. And now when I took that path, that doctor was a traditional MD, and he was pharmaceutical driven, not because he intended that, but that's how he was taught and trained. Um, as I hit a turning point in my career there where I reached my maximum capacity of growth with him, I went and started working for a doctor in South Tampa that was a doctor of osteopathic medicine who took a more holistic approach where I started doing the IV nutritional therapy. And at that point, I was able to learn on a deeper level about how the body truly worked, how to heal the body instead of looking at a pharmaceutical medicinal drug man-made, why don't we find out why the body's not working properly and, and fix the problem. Let's not mask a symptom. So I did that and once I, again, I met my maximum capacity of growth there and decided to venture off on my own to where I was able to determine how I would train moving forward, how I'd extend my knowledge and help other people. And that's what I did. So I started my own medical practice coming up on five years, Thrive Medical, which stands for treating holistically through regenerative intravenous vitamin enrichment. And I work under Dr. Victor Silva, who is amazing. And he is a hematologist, pathologist. He was a professor at Emory and also helped start MD Anderson, very knowledgeable. And we have a great relationship and a wonderful practice together. And uh, we really enjoy it. Wow. So what brought you to start working with Lyme? And I know Lyme isn't the only thing you do. You also work with people that have cancer, right? I do cancer, autism, Lyme disease is very prevalent. Um, 
uh, anything from all autoimmune diseases to thyroid issues to weight issues, adrenal issues, anything and everything will approach because if anything's thrown off the body, there's something, there's either a deficiency or a toxicity. Um, and that's how we approach it. But Lyme disease is very prevalent. And when I was still with Dr. The last doctor that I worked with, uh, we start to get a few Lyme patients coming in and they had already received their Lyme diagnosis by going to other specialists around the country, but needed to find somebody to continue their treatment locally. And we were doing the IV nutritional therapy. So me and the way that I work, I like to assess my surroundings, the patient. I listen to everything they say. I take the time, I retain the information, and I started looking more into it. I'm like, wow, these patients that are coming in, not only they got finally an answer after all these years, but I'm seeing a lot of other patients that we don't really have an answer for. We're just trying to minimize symptoms naturally, but right. we're not able to give them a real answer. So started more pursuing that and reaching out and um, trying to understand how you look into it, how prevalent this was, and it turns out it, it, it is a true pandemic here. Right, and that's kind of what I was talking about is that I, what I've learned just since my own stuff is that there's far more people that suffer from Lyme than even know it, and it's actually a much bigger problem than I think that we even realized. It's a, it's a huge problem. So Lyme disease is known as the biggest imitator of all disease and chronic illness. It can mimic anxiety, depression, every autoimmune disease, which is lupus, multiple sclerosis, Crohn's, celiac disease, all gut issues, adrenal issues, anything and everything it mimics, which is why it's so difficult. But again, in traditional medical world, doctors that take insurance are regulated to a minimum or maximum of 15 minutes with a patient. They don't have the time to look deeper. Right. So they give up and they just try to say, you know what? nothing's wrong, all your blood work's normal, you're just depressed, you have anxiety, and they don't take the time to really figure it out. And it's very detrimental to the patient because they start believing what they're told. I've had multiple Lyme patients come in who have become suicidal. They've told, you're, you look physically fine, your blood work looks okay, but again, they don't even know how to properly test and find Lyme disease. Right. And do you find, too, that it seems like a lot of people with cancer have Lyme, or it's like, Lyme was the root cause of the cancer? Of course, and, and I'll tell you why. Because the Lyme disease on average goes 10 to 15 years undiagnosed, if ever diagnosed, and they're giving pharmaceutical drugs that have neurotoxins and carcinogenics in them, which also weakens the immune system. Lyme disease kills your immune system like no, nothing else that exists. It's also directly related to autism. 98% of kids with autism have chronic Lyme disease. CDC here refuses to acknowledge chronic Lyme disease which is unexplainable. There's no rhyme or reason behind it. Um, so whether it's autism, whether it's cancer, whatever chronic disease it is, 90% of the time they're gonna have a chronic Lyme disease infection. Do you think that they refuse to recognize Lyme because A, they don't have a drug or treatment for it, or B, because maybe they're partially responsible for it becoming such an issue? What, what do you think there? There's actually, there's truth behind the fact that the government here uh, played a huge part in the spread of Lyme disease. It started back in 1959, up until about 1975, they were trying to experiment with these infected Lyme ticks and bring in other insects to infect them to use as a bioweapon, and it, it got out. They were doing this right off a little island outside of Lyme, Connecticut, 
the insects were released and a mass spread of Lyme disease took place and they refused to acknowledge it. They haven't studied it in 20 years. There's now 300 strains of Lyme disease worldwide, most prevalent here in the United States. And it's very unfortunate because so many people are out there with no hope, no idea of what they're going through. I can tell you probably 99.9% .9 of all people diagnosed with an autoimmune disease have Lyme disease. And they're giving, again, they're told, you just got to accept what you're going through. This is just what's going to happen, but that's not reality. Right. And they and they know what they've done. There's tons of government documents that support this. Right. Bridget actually brought a document in today that is a letter uh, from, is it Willie? Bergdorfer. Yeah, yeah Bergdorfer I, which is what one of the strains is named after. Right. Yeah, and it's from Fort Detrick, and he's basically confirming in this letter and it's dated here 1959 that they are going to proceed with this sort of experimental testing on it was these ticks right yeah so they took the ticks and then they started bringing in mosquitoes or fleas mites head lice carry lyme disease and they were infecting them to see how it, they can spread and they were going to use this as an attack during war bio you know bio warfare so the way that this works is they haven't studied this now in 20 years because they don't want to recognize what they've done. They're, they're trying to brush it under the rug. So every time I test a patient, they come back positive for Lyme, which is pretty prevalent, probably 30 to 40 cases a month. The interesting fact is that the health department calls me, just like they would have to call you if somebody tested positive for an STD. Mm -hmm. Any laboratory that you send labs to, if they get a positive STD, they have to report back to the health department. Mm -hmm. The health department calls the clinic and says, have you contacted the patient, has the patient contacted all their partners, you know, so on and so on. They're doing the same thing with Lyme disease and they'll call me and say, we need to know why you tested the patient for Lyme disease. And my response is, well, why wouldn't I? And I find that ironic because the girl on the other end of the phone at the health department has no background and no education on Lyme disease. She just has to ask this series of questions. I said, well, don't you find it a positive thing that I tested them for the Lyme disease because this person has had apparently POTS for 19 years, hasn't driven a car in 15 years, and had seizures three times a day for 18 years. And it was neurological Lyme. I'm like, why are you asking such ridiculous questions? Right. That's There's so no crazy. rationale behind their approach. But what they do know is they know they're afraid of it getting out. They know what they've caused, and they don't want people to realize this. So there's this misconception apparently that Lyme is really only spread by a tick, but now we know mosquitoes, head lice, mites, fleas, they can also carry Lyme. Of course. And not everybody is going to have the symptoms, like you're not going to get bit by a mosquito and all of a sudden, oh no, I've got Lyme. It's, that's the tough part about it is like, you know, I was asked, did you, do you ever recall getting a tick bite? I know I was bit by ticks as a kid in growing up in New England, you know, but I never remembered having like the rash or any of that standard, you know, typical things that they say you should look for, but it still is clearly affecting people and getting into their bodies. Sure. So I'll say, more than likely, everybody in the country has come across some form of Lyme disease because now there's 300 strands. But it's literally a matter of whether or not the light switch gets turned on because when our bodies are under increased emotional, chemical, physical stressors, it weakens immune systems for it to activate. So the bullseye rash is not reality. The health department asked me that too. Do they have a bullseye rash? 
Well, no, because it's been 18 years. Right. I mean, this is just so silly and ridiculous. And I said this to the last time they called me a week ago. I said, well, why don't you ask me if they had a mosquito bite? Or have they ever had a case of head lice? Have they ever been bitten by a flea? Do they have animals? All these things factor in. And um, they have no idea how to answer that question, by the way. But the rash, the insect bite, it doesn't matter. In the state of Florida, most doctors will say, you can't have Lyme disease because we live in Florida. Right. It's very prevalent in Florida. I'd say probably one in every two people more than likely have a case of Lyme disease in Florida. Tons of mosquitoes here. They're one of the biggest carriers of Lyme disease right now. And why isn't it approached? So you look at the environment of the patient, you look at their, you have to go back to an entire timeline, which most doctors don't take the time to do. When I have a new consult with somebody, which you've experienced, mm-hmm. how was your childhood? Yeah. Any kind of physical traumas, emotional traumas? And I look at the timeline from the time they were born to the time to where they started having, whether it's chronic fatigue or symptoms of Crohn's or symptoms of lupus or symptoms of MS or any issues going on and you'll always find those emotional breakdowns or physical or chemical stressors and what which allowed the Lyme disease to become present mm-hmm. and people aren't aware we don't educate people on their toxic environment our foods are genetically modified environments been modified that we can't control but there's steps that we can take to eliminate as much exposure as possible yeah absolutely so it goes undetected often in a lot of people because most doctors really aren't educated on how to look for it, the signs and symptoms. How do they test for it? I mean, I did blood work with you, but is that the standard blood work that somebody else would do if I went to say my primary or an MD? No, I've never seen another a patient come in with another lab panel from another provider that was halfway adequate. Their basic panel for an annual lab is going to be a CBC to check your blood count a CMP, complete metabolic panel, that will check kidney liver function, and then a cholesterol panel. They're not going to look at co-infections, which all Lyme patients have co-infections exactly. of Epstein-Barr. They're not going to look at your gut health of H. pylori. They're not looking at vitamin D3 levels, vitamin B levels. You have to find the deficiencies to restore them, and you have to look at which toxicities are there and remove them. Mm-hmm. And you look at heavy metals. You look at all these different things. And a CD57 flow cytometry is one of the most important tests because that checks the activation of your immune system, your killer T cells. All Lyme patients, you'll see they're not even activated at 2%. You should be over 100% activated with an immune system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't look at that. So when they do test for Lyme disease, if you get somebody to test for it after harassing them, they'll check for Lyme antibody testing. Lyme antibody testing will only check for Borrelia bacteria. There's four different types of bacteria. So if you have uh, Bartonella, Mm -hmm. you're going to get a false negative on the Lyme antibody testing. You look for a Lyme Western blot with every individual band of Lyme. And depending on the band of Lyme will determine the treatment that you get and how it affects. People have pseudo-seizures that have neurological Lyme. Neurological Lyme mimics ALS, Lou Gehrig's, and Parkinson's disease. Have multiple patients that have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, didn't have classic symptoms of Parkinson's, but they put them on Parkinson's medications regardless, and now they have symptoms of Parkinson's, and it was neurological Lyme. So it's just this vicious cycle in the healthcare system, and people lose hope. They lose, you know, they start to give up, and that's not a good thing, and they just live on medications, anxiety medications, depression medications, uh, you know, um, nerve pain medications. They're diagnosed fibromyalgia, which is made up. That just means right. you have nerve pain, and I don't know why. Right. So why don't you find out why? Right. So... So then you could go and you could get the, the standard test for Lyme, but is there a chance that if 
you might not always have antibodies in your body but still have Lyme because does, doesn't sometimes it can almost go dormant for a while and then have periods where it becomes active depending and- on your, yes depending on your stress level so initially when we check the individual bands of Lyme disease and it gets exciting when we do this because we'll see where which bands are activated okay mm-hmm. you, maybe that you've come in contact with every band of Lyme disease but you've only got two that are significant positive right now because other ones are not turned on right Right. okay so and when we start the treatment we'll retest in eight to 12 weeks and we see now those positive Lyme bands are now negative Mm -hmm. but the interesting thing is on the Lyme antibody testing you'll see that number go higher a lot of the times because that means that we're building antibodies since we're killing it so people get confused about that Right. right so their way of diagnosing and saying positive or not positive there's no rationale behind it they don't know what they're doing so you have to look at each individual strand. Increase in the antibodies is not a negative thing. That means that your body, it's like when I came in contact with chickenpox, I have chickenpox antibodies naturally now. Right. So my number is going to be higher. So, but you want to see it spike when we're killing. And once it's dormant, you, it comes back down to normal range. So it depends on when you're doing the testing re- realistically. So you're saying uh, the CD57 flow cytometry, right? That's the test that people would want you you definitely want to do that in combination with the individual bands but that's going to be the most telling test that you can do because it's going to look at your killer t cells Lyme disease attacks your immune system like nothing else Mm -hmm. so if you see that your your t cells are not activated and they're practically dead you can almost bet that you have Lyme disease or a secondary Lyme disease infection Mm -hmm. and And was there a point when they were trying to come out with a vaccine for Lyme disease do you know anything about I'm not that sure or? if they were coming out with a vaccine there was talk about it mm-hmm. but again if they were going to come out with a vaccine more questions would be brought up of why is why is it so prevalent why has this become such an issue right and, and they don't want that but again if you look at the money driven industry of healthcare, and we have more people with autoimmune diseases the money generated every year for autoimmune diseases is in the trillions of dollars mm-hmm. in the pharmaceutical industry we are definitely a sick care system in this country we're not a preventative system on any level right and that's why i always encourage people especially here on this podcast to like really search for answers if you don't feel right if you're struggling with fatigue if you're struggling with depression anxiety uh you know even ms like a lot of these things that get a diagnosis and people almost feel like it's just it is what it is you know like there's a reason for everything that's going on and we as a we were created to be healthy beings and you see that from from people who live outside of industrialized areas you know it's like we're not we're so conditioned to think that sick is normal and being on prescriptions for things as you age is normal it's like we are we're just conditioned that way and that isn't normal And so I think it's like really people need to ask questions. They need to dig because health is what's normal and energy and, you know. Absolutely. You should never fill a day over 40. And I love what you just said because here's the reality. We have adapted ourselves and our environment to we trust in doctors. Doctors know best. They are here to help us. But if we go back to the basics of how we were created and how we were supposed to live, I don't ever recall anywhere and mankind that we were deficient in man-made chemicals Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So why do I need a man-made chemical to make my body somewhat well? It doesn't. Every man-made chemical, pharmaceutical drug causes more health problems than it helps. It doesn't cure anything. It hides one symptom and creates another because they never get to the root cause. But nobody should ever hesitate to walk into any medical provider's office and be timid or afraid to ask a question. If that provider has an attitude or arrogance about you questioning them, it's not, you're not questioning them. You're, you want to be well and don't exactly. ever hesitate to do so. That is your God-given right. Right, and your goal should be to, to have the knowledge to get yourself well. I mean, like when I came into you, I questioned a lot of the things you told me and I still bring you, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And most practitioners, doctors especially, are almost like, you know, wh- who are you to question me? Or, you know, why are you asking me this? Are you are you not sure that what I'm telling you is the truth? But we should always question because you you are a human, a doctor, a PhD. We're all humans at the end of the day. Absolutely. Nobody has it all figured out. And I think like so much of what... I want to inspire people to do is to take back control of their own health, you know, and as you're going through health issues and you're not maybe feeling well, it's your opportunity to take control of your health, to discover, to learn, you know, it's your body. You could, you need to be in control of it. I respect anybody that comes in and does that. I don't know everything. I tell anybody that I come across, I'm not the cure all. I'm one piece of the puzzle and I'm here to help you along the way. I'm not too proud to say, I don't know. If somebody asks me a question and I don't know, my response is, I don't know. But if I know, I'm going to tell you. But I will never give you information that's not scientifically proven tens of thousands of times with adequate research behind it before I ever implement or relay that information to you. What's that going to do for me if people don't get results? Right. I don't have too much pride for that, but I respect somebody that asks me a question because they care enough. They're going to be compliant. They want to help themselves. That's what you should aspire as a healthcare practitioner or anybody in any type of like career where you help others. Do what's best for them to get their optimum health and optimum life. That's what that's about. So patients teach me all the time. I've had multiple people who have done their research and they've been on this journey, whether it was with cancer or Lyme disease, and they've shared things with me, which I've researched and I've implemented. Mm-hmm. I don't know everything and I, I'm i gonna keep learning. Mm-hmm. I pride myself on doing so. I never stop. I retain what I, what I learn and listen to because I care enough to do it. It's not, you come to my office, it's not set up like, oh, chart number 47. No, right. you walk in and I know everybody. Right just like the staff it's not it's a home exactly everybody's friends and family and that's what it's supposed to be mm-hmm. that's how the health was originated when you know people did house calls when insurance first was implemented insurance was most supposed to be for catastrophic treatment and then the insurance industries and pharmaceutical industries saw a financial opportunity and it turned the entire system around they base what they do for a patient before they ever meet them off of a insurance driven reimbursement so how can you treat somebody based off that? They don't care. This is a system that they've been accustomed to, and it's a, it's money. Right. They might not go into it for those reasons, but always they always switch over to that, exactly. and they lose who they are. Uh, you know, no nutrition taught in medical school anymore. Less than three minutes. How is that even legal? Unbelievable. Right. Give the body what it needs to live and function. It's the most well intricate machine ever created as a human body your body will self-regenerate and heal at any age any given moment in time if it has the proper tools to do so 
Nobody's prone to diabetes versus somebody else. What epigenetic gene might you have that exposed itself? Let's shut it off. Let's turn that light switch off and give you back what you need. Because hundreds of thousands of years ago, our ancestors weren't prone to, oh, you're prostate cancer, you're breast cancer, and you're going to be lupus. Like, this right. isn't... There's epigenetics that got mutated, but you turn it off. You don't let it, to, you don't allow it to have gene expression. And this is what I, whenever somebody comes in and you know this, I love to educate because I want people to feel confident with the approach that Dr. Sylvan and I take and what we do. It's important. And if somebody can't wrap their mind around it, I tell them I support whatever route you take because it's your journey. It's not my journey. I'm not gonna put them down because they don't wanna go with my, my the route that I choose for them. They have to choose their own route and their path. This is their life. Right. And the mind is a powerful thing. So if they mentally can't accept it, then I tell them, don't waste your, it's not about money. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to get the result anyway, even if you do my protocol, because you can't mentally accept it. Right. It, it all plays a part in, right. in, the, in healing the body. So. And I want to get back to talking a little bit about Lyme specifically as far as can you explain a little how it can live in the brain? It could live in the joints or in the gut. Is it like some types of Lyme are more prevalent in those areas than others? Let's talk about that yeah, a little. So there's different bands of Lyme. So neurological Lyme band strands, they attack your neurological system, the brain. They will go toward the your cervical spine, T-spine, L-spine, and into the brain, and they embed themselves there. And they lay, and they kind of just rest their nest a little bit. And then when you have a chronic inflammatory event, of whether it's chemical, physical, or emotional, it, it's like Christmas morning for them. Mm -hmm. And there's what's called these little spirochetes, right? And spirochetes, um, they attack and they embed, and it's a very painful confusing thing for the patient to feel. You will feel like your brain's on fire with neurological Lyme disease and doctors are like, you're crazy. It looks fine. Yeah. It looks fine on imaging. You could do it. Because they almost like mimic or disguise themselves, right? As so other, if they, right. They look yeah. like they're supposed to be there. Right. And actually they're so powerful when your immune system, your killer T cells are supposed to be attacking anything foreign to the body. Right. Like we take in 17,000 carcinogenics a day at a minimum killer T cell one goes and kills it. It's our front line of defense. Lyme disease is so smart and has its own antibodies that it confuses the T cells and the killer T cells don't attack it. Mm -hmm. And then that's when it can attack and it kills the killer T cells, right. shutting down your immune system. And once it gets to that point, you know, gut health destroyed everything. Certain strains, of European strains of Lyme disease, a lot of them, they're prevalently known for you know, embedding themselves into the large areas like knees and joints and things like right. that. They mimic arthritis like nobody's business. People come in, I have rheumatoid arthritis. No, you don't. No, nobody has rheumatoid arthritis. Right. You don't get arthritis from cracking your knuckles, do you? That's, that's a myth. All these right. things are just silly little myths. Let's find out what's there that shouldn't be there. So depending on the band, the strand, which country it originated from, a lot of people travel, right, mm -hmm. will determine on where these things attack and embed themselves so and then so you've studied extensively under Dietrich Klein is it Dr. Klinghart, um, Klinghart? Dietrich Klinghart um, yeah. I follow his autism protocols there's a Klinghart Institute that I go through training with there he's world-renowned he's out of Germany but he spends half his time here in the US mm -hmm. half the time over there and he see patients from all over the world prevalently autism and Lyme disease and Lyme disease is very personal to him he's been studying this for years and uh, he'll tell you Lyme disease prevalence in the U.S. is higher than any other country in the world. But not only that, the 
toxicity level of U.S. patient, any U.S.-based patient he's ever examined and seen, has exceeded their threshold of a 100% toxicity level that the body can withstand. He's never seen another patient from any other country even hit a 50% threshold. And every patient in the U.S. has exceeded a 100% threshold. That's how toxic we are here, but we have to look back at our chemical environment, the foods we're consuming, where we live, the radiation exposure. Radiation is a huge contributing factor to the Lyme disease, ascorbating and intensifying the significance of Lyme disease on the body. Yeah, and you were saying that the EMF, right? Yeah, so um, man- cell phones, towers. It's awful. So the radiation, man made radiation, is very harmful to the body. There's positive EMF and fat EMF. Like the Earth's pulse electromagnetic field is natural, that's what recharges our cells. But then now we have man made radiation. Everybody knows radiation causes cancer. Right. So now the 5G towers have been implemented in Florida. The studies showed that there would be a significant increase in Lyme disease and even a 60% increase of cancer in the, in the state. But the monetary incentive exceeded their concern about health issues, which to me, that makes no sense. So if people aren't aware that there are steps that they can take, whether they, have, they should have EMF blockers in the home that absorb 99.9% of the radiation received from Wi-Fi. There's radiation blockers we put on our phones. You have them. I shared those with you. There are steps you can take. You have to take the proper measures to eliminate as much toxicities as possible because we are so overloaded with toxicities versus 20 years ago. Exactly, yeah. And that's what I, I tell people too is like if you're not feeling right, I mean, even if you are feeling great, you can do these things preventatively. But a lot of people wait until something doesn't feel right to then do something about their health. And if you're experiencing any of these things that we've talked about today, there are so many things, I guess, like you said, you look at physical, emotional, and environmental factors. I feel like that's almost like a checklist you can go through and you can question what am I exposing myself to on a daily basis? And I've talked about it through cosmetics, through food, through all of those things. And then, you know, emotional, am I carrying emotional baggage, trauma, all of those things uh, that you can kind of go through and say, what is it that could be causing these sort of issues in my life? And that's really what you should look at when it comes to treating too of course you have to look at yourself as a whole your environment as a whole and sit back and i would tell everybody just start creating a journal create a journal write down what you eat on a daily basis what your physical activity is how many pharmaceutical drugs do you take every day how is your marriage how is this how is that what uh you know emotional baggage you have from your childhood what physical traumas did you play football how many concussions did you have there's a lot of different things that play a part there you just have to be aware but you it's also everybody's responsibility to take care of themselves and address it so just don't ignore it i'll tell you if um, you ever have a provider or any healthcare professional tell you that you feel this way because you're getting old you should fire them on the spot and walk out because that is not true that is absolutely not true all the, you have to look at everything let's say it's a hundred piece puzzle all these specialists that you go to we were talking earlier you're like well why don't these doctors know how to test because you know why because you're sent to a rheumatologist for rheumatology and they test for one thing they look at one thing right. or you're sent to the urologist for one thing okay uh, you're sent to your 
the endocrinologist, your gastroenterologist, your neurologist, right. your psychiatrist, your psychologist, you know, your family practitioner, and everybody's looking at one thing. And the horrible thing about that is none of them communicate with each other. Right. They're not even talking to one another. How are they taking care of you if they're not even communicating? Right. So that's when you have to start looking back and saying, where did it go wrong? Mm-hmm. Where did my first symptom really start? And what, where was I at my life right then? Right. Were you going through a bad divorce? Did something tragic happen? Did you lose a loved one? Did you have a, a serious physical trauma like a car accident? Right. Or There's gonna be a story that will come together and show you why this came present. But you turn it off. We all have susceptibility for this to happen mm-hmm. because it's not just you know, topical chemicals like sunblock and things like that that we apply. It's years and years and accumulated time of toxicities of right. emotional, chemical, or physical. And we, it's okay, we all do it, we all get there. Don't lose hope, just start making the change now or sooner than later. Exactly. And even if you have to take baby steps, because it's a big, people get very concerned, well, I don't know if I can stop doing this. Well, it's really up to you, but baby, you make one step, right. you're going somewhere in the right direction. Exactly. Then next week, make two or three more steps. Mm-hmm. And you'll, once you start feeling better, making all the steps isn't gonna be that difficult anymore. Right, so, what are some ways that we can treat Lyme if you know a patient goes to you what are some of the ways and obviously it's going to depend on the person specifically and maybe what type of Lyme they have but just some things that that you can throw out there that that like you do with patients sure so anybody with any chronic disease whether it's Lyme disease cancer whatever their gut health is completely shot and again we know 80 percent of the immune system lives in the gut so first you want to start with diet and restoring the gut and then depending on how aggressive it is that will depend on the approach that we take with the iv nutritional therapy not easy to find in most places but uh you know i'm willing for you to give up my number i talk to people i don't charge for that if you're somewhere i don't know out west different in the northern part of the I, i do this all the time i have people all over the country we can try to help facilitate something because your immune system is completely shot with Lyme disease. If you have Lyme disease, oral supplements will never get you there, number one, because you have no gut health. You can't absorb it. So you're not digesting what you swallow anyway. If you have an extremely healthy gut, you're lucky to absorb 20% of what you swallow. Mm -hmm. Nobody has a healthy gut. So what what you can absorb in two years orally, we can give to you in 45 minutes intravenously. But it activates the immune system and the amounts of vitamin C that go in intravenously converts over from an antioxidant to pro-oxidative state, which highly oxygenates the cells, which kill everything. Right. So along with IV therapy, you know, I'll talk about PEMF therapy, pulse electromagnetic field therapy, infrared saunas, far infrared, which right. detoxes down to the cellular level. Um, getting outside every day with natural sunlight, crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, chlorophyll is huge for the gut drinking it daily. Argentin 23, it's a hydrosol silver, the purest nanoparticle of a colloidal silver, which by the way was used for thousands of years worldwide as an antiviral, bacterial, and fungal. Mm -hmm. And then in the early 1930s when they came out with antibiotics, they banned it here in the States for 15 years because they wanted to promote antibiotic sales, which are no good for anybody. But that will kill viral, bacterial, and fungal. Another thing about Lyme disease with the silver 90% 90% of people with Lyme disease also have parasites. Right. So the Argenta 23 kills parasites. Okay. It doesn't taste bad. We do intravenously. You do orally. Um, there's a combination of things. Right. And, and, and it's a system that works. Mm-hmm. 
And also ozone, I feel like it's a big thing. Ozone therapy is huge as, as well. Just like I said, the vitamin C goes from antioxidant to peroxidative. It's about oxygen. Nothing, cancers, disease, Lyme disease, nothing can survive in an oxygen-rich environment. You restore the oxygen source. Mm-hmm. You put a high amount of oxygen into the cells. Nothing can survive there. And you'll see the Lyme disease. A lot of times it looks worse before it looks better because the Lyme disease is running and trying to find another host to survive. But it won't find it because everything's going to be oxygenated. Right. So the way ozone works is we take 60 cc's of blood. We infuse it with 60 cc's of ozone, which is a third molecule of oxygen. And we drip it right back into the vein before the other IVs follow. It highly oxygenates the cells and it does a rapid kill. And then the absorption of the other vitamins going in, 10 times as effective. And it's a beautiful synergistic thing that works. So it's all about activating the immune system first mm-hmm. and gut health. So what would you say to um, people who are listening and they are like, wow, this really resonates with me. I have some of these sort of symptoms. I can't figure out what it is. Like, where do they start? Yes, they could. So, I mean, they could try to reach out to you and you could help them. But is there like any type of practitioner? I mean, or is it just kind of like... So here's the unfortunate thing is, I mean, I just had a lady fly in from Ohio. She flew down to Daytona where her mother lives. Her mother drove her from Daytona to Tampa, which is not a close drive, you know that. And when the mother came with her, she goes, do you mind if I get a blood panel as well? And I got both of their results back and both pretty chronic Lyme disease and this and that. And the unfortunate thing is to find practitioners that are willing to take this route because the FDA, they don't like this. It takes away from their market and all these other things. So practitioners are very much on the skeptical side of it, number one, because it's not insurance driven. Insurance will never cover any of this, okay? Mm -hmm. Because they don't make enough money off of it. It's actually affordable. If you were to take aside what the billing aspect is of insurance driven practices, look at a billing that you get, it's two, $3,000. They don't pay that, but that's what it, that's what you see on your end with an explanation of benefits. But people have a hard time fathoming as well. But I have insurance, am I gonna pay out of pocket? You have to determine that for yourself, but practitioners like that easy money coming in with medical coding and billing to the insurance company and just easy, you know, generated revenue. They don't want to end that, that type of business and they have to work a little harder to do what I do. Yeah. I think a person would have to look for definitely an an alternative holistic minded. Yeah. yeah. Osteopathic. uh, You know, there's an amazing clinic out West, the Envita clinic. Mm -hmm. They train with Dr. Dietrich Klinghardt as well. One of the most amazing clinics in the country. I Nothing I do is about bring me more business. I'll tell you, if anybody's out west or Google it, it's Envita, E-N-V-I-T-A. I don't even know them. I just know that I go on their website and I listen to their testimonials. They have a lot of good resources. They're yeah. amazing. And they train with Dr. Dietrich Klinghart. Right. And, um, and they might be expensive too, but because some of the bigger clinics could be. They are, but you know, I also know that they, they work with patients and do patient okay. programs like that because, again, they do it. But the fact that they're bigger, they didn't start out big. Mm-hmm. They're much bigger than me because I'm sold by myself, Dr. Right. Sylvan and I. And um, they fight back. They're not afraid of FDA and government regulated companies coming in and harassing them because they'll fight right back where I'm not afraid of it, but it's harder, but it's harder for me because they they have a little more an upper hand because they might try to shut me down. They have no rhyme or reason to do so, but the bigger you get, the more exposure you get, but they've done it the right way and and they fight back and they're an amazing clinic. They do cancer. They have so many Parkinson's ALS and Lou Gehrig's disease patients out there, which 
when I found that clinic is what made me start testing Parkinson's patients for Lyme disease. Even though I trained with Dr. Dieter Klinkart, it wasn't a trigger for me. I don't know why. But they were the ones who presented that and their testimonials and on some of their webinars. I was like, wow, let me look into that. Every Parkinson's patient I've had come in since the exact same strands of neurological Lyme disease. And it's been life it's been life changing. Yeah. You're talking a Parkinson's patient in a wheelchair that hasn't walked in years and in five minutes gets up and walks with glutathione. Unbelievable. Thinking that their life was over, that they weren't gonna have a life again. And that's no that's what bugs me the most is that these healthcare providers give take hope away. Yeah. And they're not God. They're nobody. Nobody has a right to do that. I would not, even if I didn't know, I wouldn't approach it that way. Right. I'm like, I'm gonna tell anybody that they can accomplish anything that they want to accomplish. The mind's more powerful than anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna tell everybody, don't give up on yourself. Don't trust in what any professional has told you because I don't I could care less about somebody's education, true story. Right. Go to facts, resources, and do your own investigation and work and and promise yourself that you can be well if you want to be well. Right. Yeah, that's so, so powerful. And I think a lot of people, you know, they may feel like they're deterred by the fact that, okay, I can't use my insurance. But something that you need to realize is that if you only go through insurance, you are limited on who you can go to and who you can see and the amount of time. So there is sometimes an investment that you have to make in your own health that could be monetary but in the long run it's so worth it and if you absolutely don't financially have the money and and you're in a situation where you just can't afford it don't just give up because there are so many things that you can just start doing on your own in my previous episodes I've talked about all the things we can do when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to the things that you're, you know, using in your home and on your body. And you can just start there, you know, eating, cleaning up the way you eat and not eating processed foods and uh, eating organic and exercise. Just those things alone can go such a long way in helping you. So don't ever throw up your hands. I feel like a lot of people use money as an excuse for getting, well, it's too expensive. You know, I can't afford organic or I can't do that. I can only go to who my insurance lets me go to. And that's a cop out because what is really expensive is being sick and really sick. You're not optimal. Like how can you, how can you be as productive if you're sick? You're not, number one, you're not leaving the earth with your money and it's just money. I, I could care less about money, but you know, I don't turn people away. We figure it out because what goes around comes around. But the thing is, like, you being healthy is the most important thing. And when you're healthy, you'll double your money. Realistically, exactly. you'll be able to do more. You'll you, you'll actually be living because you're not living sick. Right. While I'm living, I'm going to live. Right. And that's what I tell people. If somebody comes in with chronic, you know, metastasized cancer, I'm like, listen, if it's that far gone, which I've never taught somebody like that because I'm like I always believe that we can turn anything around and we do Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's that point I'm going to say you know what let me tell you how I can make you feel good because while you're alive I want you to live I don't want any of your family members to remember you deathly ill losing your hair vomiting every day what kind of life is that so you take control of your life you figure out what what's important to you if what's important to you is being sick then I'll support that too it's your choice but understand that everything's in your control and yes, diet, organic, absolutely. Getting outside, just the fact that you go outside every day for a minimum of an hour, whether you do two 30-minute sessions, breathing outdoor oxygen no matter where you live yeah. is very helpful. Mm-hmm. 
consuming proper amounts of water, making sure you're properly alkaline with acidic levels. If anybody listening to this takes any kind of antacid, you need to stop that immediately because it's all going back to the gut. So restoring health, you know, restoring um, nutrients, getting natural God-made sunlight, Mm -hmm. grounding, you know, walking outside, living off the earth that was created for us to live on, huge measure. Huge. Yeah, you can improve your health tremendously with that. Well, this has been really awesome to talk to you about these things. And I hope that people listening also find it informational and encouraging. Uh, Bridget, tell people where they can reach you, your website or whatever you want to share, I guess. Sure. So you can uh, go to the website, which is thrivemedcenter.com, or you can reach out to my cell phone number, which is 813-500-7797. And we're always happy to talk with people, help out as much as possible. I love to educate um, because, again, I understand that people have been going through this for, on average, 10, 15 years or longer, and they have given up on any possible hope. But never give up. There's always going to be something out there. There's an there's a answer to everything. Nobody's just prone to waking up one day where your immune system attacks itself. Why weren't you born with an immune system that attacks itself? So just stay encouraged, stay positive, understand that this can turn around. Just surround yourself with positivity, positive people, and people that are really wanting to help, not people that are just going to give you a number. You're just the next one that walks through the door and understand that this will all work out in the long run. So true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for joining us. Yeah. And make sure you go and uh, follow this podcast, rate it. I need some good reviews. Get those haters off of there. (laughs) And uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you all again soon. Bye. Bye.